You're listening to Adishokbe Live, the Afrobeat podcast. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to episode 10 of Adishokbe Live, the official Afrobeats podcast. Of course, sponsored by World Remit and supported by Afri Media Studios, LM Media, Ayo Maurice, and uh, Afro Scene TV. Big shout outs to my people as well, Efizi Music and Just Jojo Entertainment for always supporting and showing love. This is where we break down some of the headlines within the Afro pop and pop culture in the last seven days. Now, this week we'll be start. We'll be looking at a couple of headlines such as this: uh, Whiskey calls out former management disturbing London once again. On social media, Burna Boy receives second consecutive Grammy nomination. American superstar and Black Eyed Peas producer apologizes for not giving production credit to a South African producer. Ghanaian fast rising star Kwame MP involved in a fatal car crash and lots, lots more. Now let's get into it. We start in London where once again, Afrobeat superstar Whiskey took to social media, Snapchat and Twitter to call out his former management disturbing London for what he alleges to be shady dealings with him in the past. Now, this isn't the first time Whiskey has taken to social media to call out Doomy and Tiny Temper as he had done so twice before in 2018 and 2019. Now, in his recent post, Whiskey can be seen saying, and I quote, looking for these two criminals, Tiny and Doomy, end quote. In another post, he says, and I quote, bleep, boy, do me 48 hours to pay up, end quote. Telling Tiny he was coming for him and ultimately saying on Twitter, and I quote, bleep, pray I don't catch you. Now, if you're following this story for the first time, what happened was Whiskey signed a management deal with uh, Disturbing London a couple of years ago. This was after he broke off from EME in Nigeria. He came to the United Kingdom and Dumi and Tiny of Disturbing London were very instrumental in introducing Whiskey to the UK urban side and urban culture and pop culture. They were the official management at the time and managing him for a couple of years. The first time we noticed a little bit of crack in that relationship was in 2018 towards leading towards the first 20,000 capacity Afrobeat show at the O2 Arena which was the Afro Republic show I think it was a couple of days or maybe weeks after that performance or something like that was when Whiskey first of all took to Twitter or Instagram at the time to call out the media uh, his uh, his management using derogatory names and calling them, you know, thieves and, and criminals and all of this stuff. And since then, nobody has officially come out to say what exactly the problem is. There are allegations in the media and the press that uh, the, the bad blood stemmed from the initial deal with Whiskey and Nike. There was a deal at the time, I think it was during the World Cup, where Whiskey, you know, had his Whiskey jersey and promoting the Nigerian jersey that really went viral. And apparently, or allegedly, Disturbing London was part of that deal. For some reason, Whiskey wasn't happy with the dealings then. Moving forward, he came again and called them out about a year after that. And, you know, he went to social media and everything was quiet after that. Now... 2020, this is like two years 
after the initial call out and possibly after the relationship with Disturbing London ended. So Whiskid, with the status he has now being a more popular figure in the United Kingdom and around the world, just coming off the successful and incredible performance uh, on YouTube about two weeks ago, this is more significant because him now taking to social media to call them out again still shows that there are deep wounds between both camps. And even though Wizkid hasn't shared publicly specifically what they've taken away from him, in these tweets you can see him asking Tiny to pay up in 48 hours, giving them an ultimatum, which... You know, was surprising for me. Now, a lot of people hit me up. People sent me the, you know, the images, the social media tweets, and I, I was shocked to see, you know, uh, the messages that was coming from Whiskey's page. Obviously, the Whiskey FC, the minute that the boss is unhappy, Whiskey FC went crazy on social media, on Twitter. Atting, you know, disturbing London, Tiny and Doomy going into social, into Instagram, come living horrible comments on their pages. I personally feel there probably should be a better way to deal with whatever the, the grievances are. Um, again, if Wizkid is calling them out two years down the line after the relationship initially went sour, that meant that the problems that they had in 2018 or before that still haven't been resolved. And that would ultimately fall on their tables, both management and, of course, whiskey. They should, it, it, once he had kicked off in 2018, somebody should have picked up a call, uh, the phone and say, yo, let's, let's sit down as men and sort out this problem and not let it reoccur. But the fact that he keeps reoccurring just makes everybody feel like somewhere in there, there's some level of should I say disrespect, there's some level of obviously distrust, obviously pain, somebody feels cheated, and even if the, the story doesn't seem as it is, because most times when artists um, you know, display or express grievances against management, sometimes it, it might not be justified. You know, we've heard it in the past where artists feel like, you know, that the, the management haven't done what they're supposed to have done or might not have paid some some monies back to the artist. But when you look at the, you know, when you look at the contracts and, and documentation and how money flew, flew in and left the camp, sometimes it all doesn't see, seem the way it is on social media. However, like I said initially, I still believe that somebody should have picked up the call and had this resolved from the minute the brother displayed, you know, uh, hurt in 2018. The minute he wasn't happy about something and they had fallen out badly, somebody should have set up a proper meeting where this should have been ironed out. The fact that now is now gone even more viral with the platforms like Shape Borough and Instablog Nigeria and all of these other platforms posting it and the Whiskey FC taking it upon themselves to find, you know, to, to look for who they believe owes the boss money is now becoming even more, you know, painful. And it is painful for everybody to see because this was, 
a brilliant relationship at the beginning. I, I remember when Disturbing London and Whiskey got together. You know, we saw Whiskey in news platforms such as the Sun newspaper hanging out with One Direction at Wembley Arena back then and really putting him in, in incredible places and partnering with international platforms that would expose or would expand his followership and his fan base and, you know, kind of bring him to a bigger audience. And and everybody felt that that relationship was was great and, and was about to take it to the next level. But once that social media post, Whiskey hit, everything came crumbling down. And for me, I think the more they let this hang over their heads, the fact that they don't resolve this problem, Whiskey is a powerful entertainer. Not only does he have about 11 million followers on, on Instagram, Lord knows how many followers he's got on Snapchat, Lord knows how many followers he's got on Twitter. Every time he comes out calling these guys, uh, you know, these names, it affects their brands in a way. It affects, you know, it affects their business relationships. It affects their, their, their uh, what's it called? It affects their reputation. So, you know, somebody needs to pick up the phone and do something and put an end to this because all of these playing out in social media and now the media doesn't look good doesn't bode well um for for both parties um especially disturbing london because the last thing they want is a former client calling them names and going on social media and and, and being in you know in their eyes disrespectful and stuff but again the brother obviously is hurt he's not happy about some things and it needs addressing. Now, staying in the UK, where this week Burner Boy receives his second Grammy nomination in a row. Shout out to Burner Boy. In the newly formed Global Music Award category for his album Twice As Tall. Now, Burner lost out to legend Angeli Kijo uh, last time around. And will be looking for better luck this time. Hoping to bring home Afrobeat's first Grammy Award. Now, Burner was seen celebrating the nomination alongside his band, The Outsiders, and management in London sipping a little bit of champagne, as you do when you get that telephone call that you have been nominated uh, by the Grammys. The singer also went further during this week, uh, sharing on his social media that he will take a while, it's going to take a little bit, a little break away from social media for a few years after his next album in 2021. He also says he might continue touring, but will be absent from social media and will not be releasing any music. First of all, big shout out to Burner Boy and the Burner Boy camp. Um, the loss to Angela Kijo uh, about a year ago now hurt. Uh, it hurt because that was the first time an Afrobeat superstar of that, that you know statue was or status was being nominated for a Grammy Award. So there was. Obviously, excitement from Nigeria, excitement around the Afrobeats fan base. And when he lost out to Angela Kijo, that hurt. However, Angela Kijo did something that was classy on stage. When she picked up the award, she dedicated it to the future of Africa. And she named specifically Burner Boy as the future of Africa. So, you know, not only did she mention his name, she pretty much gave him an endorsement on stage at the Grammys. And following that, in 2021, he releases a brand new album in Twice As Tall that's executive produced by P. Diddy uh, with some co-productions from 
the likes of Anderson Park and, you know, features the likes of uh, Yusun Do, features the likes of Naughty by Nature, uh, incredible body of work released just in time to meet the Grammy Award uh, nominating process. Uh, Burner Boy promotes the album incredibly well in international media platforms that, you know, judging panels on the likes of Grammy will be watching. We've seen him on Time magazine. We've seen him on Sky News. We've seen him on Channel 4. We've seen him on Vogue magazine. We've seen him in incredible places. He's performed back-to-back on Jimmy Fallon uh, in the last one year. I'm not sure, you correct me if I'm if I'm wrong, but Burner Boy seems to be the first artist that I've noticed that's returned to Jimmy Fallon within six months of his first appearance. And that was uh, last year. He did a, an August performance for the first album, African Giant. Then he returned for a Christmas special in December. And I think he's also returned again this year. So he's received a massive amount of American exposure on some of the biggest media platforms out there, The Breakfast Club, Big Boy's Neighborhood, Odd 97, uh, with Ebro in the morning, uh, Ebro again on uh, Apple, Beats One Radio, then he took over Ebro's Beats One Radio show. So, you know, the team has done incredibly uh, incredible work to ensure that those judging panels at, at the Grammy Awards, they take a notice of his fantastic work and how much of an effort he's putting into promoting himself. But the question remains, um, we saw when the nominations were re- revealed this week, the likes of The Weeknd, Lil Baby, um, you know, Roddy Rich, and all of these guys criticized the Grammy Awards nomination panel for their omission. And this is not the first, second, third, or fourth time the hip-hop community and the black community in the United States of America have criticized the Grammys and their nomination process, especially uh, looking at the disconnect with some of the artists that have been hugely successful this year. The Weeknd's album this year is one of the biggest albums of 2020 with one of the biggest songs. Uh, I think in flashing lights, Roddy Rich and, and Lil Baby. Lil Baby is without doubt the arguably the biggest rapper from the United States of America in 2020. It was omitted, uh, I think, in, a, in the best rap album category, I believe it is. And, and Roddy Rich as well receives a lot of received a lot of snobs in the category. And and the conversation continues that is the Grammy Award the right platform for black people? to 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 uh, for black people to to get their art judged because some of the people within this panels are old white men who don't necessarily follow popular culture pop culture hip hop you know some of these culture changing artists and music that has been released this year you know and again i i've always said that you know even though the Grammy uh, Award is incredible and fantastic, I believe that black people need to celebrate the black award ceremonies that are celebrating their art. So if you are an Afrobeat or an Afropop or an African artist, or particularly from Nigeria, for instance, hip-hop, the Hedys Awards, Sound City Awards, MTV Africa Awards, if you go to Ghana Music Awards, you you know, South African Music Awards, you look at these specific award ceremonies that understand our culture, that will 
nominate and celebrate the right artists. If you're international, if you're in America and you're you're a black artist in America, the BET Hip Hop Awards, the BET Awards, Soul Train Music Awards, these are platforms that celebrate you know, excellence within the black culture. And these are the award ceremonies that I believe, in my opinion, the mobile awards in the UK, where we should be looking at, speaking about the mobile awards, the nominations came out this week and nominations for Best African Act included the likes of Burner Boy, Tiwa Savage, um, David O. Whiskey, Afro B, Master KG, um, and I, I believe a few other artists uh, in that stone boy, Shatawali, in that category. And the questions remained that although the, the, the obvious names of Burner Boy, Whiskin, and David O are in that category, it's, it's great to see somebody like Afro B who's had an incredible impact in the last 12 months or so two years in the Afrobeats industry and taking his song you know, around the world and smashing all sorts of records. And, and again... Tiwa Savage appears to be the only female in that category at the Mobos. Uh, the question is, very simple, is uh, Afrobeats and Afropop, uh, is it only one or two artists, female artists that are doing well? These are some of the questions that we need to throw at the table of platforms like this that are celebrating our people and our culture. But again, once again, shout outs to Mobile Awards anyway, because they've been doing it for quite some time and celebrating Afrobeats and promoting the culture as best as they can. You know, they in the past I've gotten it wrong a couple of times and you know might still stumble once or twice, but the intent is clear. You know, the the the, the intent is clear that they want to support you know, African talent and Afrobeats music, Afropop acts, uh, and they created specific category for that. I think what just needs to be looked at a little bit better is maybe the nomination process to ensure that the right people get the spotlights. But shout-outs to all the nominees in that category. I believe that it's impossible for you to to legislate or to, to argue against any of these nominees in the Best African Act category. So we'll be looking forward to the, to the Mobile Awards particularly and following up the Grammy Awards as well in 2021 to see if finally Burner Boy can bring home that first Afrobeats Grammy Award win. Adeshokwe Live, the Afrobeats podcast sponsored by World Remit. Now, uh, over to South Africa where social media went crazy as a brand new record was released by American Hot 97 FM DJ Megan Wright, featuring Will I Am and ASAP Ferg titled Culture. The song was initially credited as being produced by Will I Am. However, South African music fans found out that there were so strong similarities between this record and DJ Lag's Ice Drop released in 2016. Now, once the similarities were obvious, Hot 97's DJ Megan Wright was labeled a culture vulture amid social media attacks from South African music fans who went on all her social media pages to air their frustrations at what seemed to be an obvious theft of DJ Lack's intellectual property without him being credited. Now, the video on YouTube instantly received over 20,000 dislikes. That's in 24 hours. Uh, and her Twitter and Instagram handles were on fire with comments, which now led to her deleting all social media content 
on her pages promoting the song and ultimately producer Will I Am coming through with an apology to Megan Wright and DJ Light. Now, <sighs> this is one that um, is always reoccurring within the culture where African creatives in the past have, you know, believed that their intellectual property have been tapped in one way or another and credit not given to them. Not only is credit not given, but they're not paid for their intellectual property. Now, the record with uh, DJ Megan Wright featuring uh, Will I Am and Asa Ferg is a brilliant record, fantastic beats, incredible record. However, it not only samples DJ Lag's work, it completely takes the beat and just takes over it. So apparently, with Will I Am's uh, uh, apologies, it looks like Will I Am was the one that took this beat, kind of added a few this, this thing there, but it's still the same beat. And he submitted everything. In his apology to Megan Wright, he claimed that he had submitted the credits to uh, Megan Wright, and by the time he wanted to refix the credit, that um, you know it was too late to do so. Shout out to DJ Lags, you're an incredible talent, and you have a bright future ahead of you. First of all, Will I Am. Nobody cares about the bright future ahead of DJ Lags. We care about the here and now. The brother's work was stolen. And yes, an apology is right, but also you need to give the man his credit and pay him for try give him attach him to the credits and make sure he gets every single dollar that he deserves to get for producing that record. It's such a huge shame that a brother of this magnitude, an incredible success of Will I Am and a genius of this magnitude can use his position to rip off a brother that's based in South Africa. Mind you, DJ Lags is not an unknown entity. This is somebody that's been credited as a producer on some of Beyonce or on a Beyonce project in the past. This is a popular, you know, producer in South Africa who unfortunately have this isn't the first time he's been embroiled in a situation where he believes that his intellectual property has been taken over by somebody else who's benefiting from it. So to see it happen again to the brother was one of the reasons why the fans took it upon themselves to speak on his behalf. Imagine if the South African music fans did not notice this. Imagine if they did not attack, sadly, DJ Megan Wright on social media. Would Will I Am have come out to apologize? Would he now be doing what is right in giving DJ Lags the credit he deserves and making sure that he receives every single dime of this work? Would he be doing that? No. Some people in South Africa have rightly said that DJ Lags deserves an apology, yes. But what he actually deserves is the dollars to match his efforts in creating an incredible record as far back as 2016. Thank God for social media. If social media and the internet wasn't there, would we have found out that a, you know, a genius in South Africa was being ripped off in the United States of America? 
by his own brother, Will I Am. You know, we talk about this all the time, intellectual property and how much we need to safeguard this. This now highlights, it makes it more, all the more obvious and important that when you're creating content, regardless of how playful you are doing it or it's just in one higgy haggis studio back home in your bedroom or whatever, make sure you have the right documentation. Make sure you register with the right associations. So when when things like this happen, you have the legal backing and the right to fight for what is yours. And that's what people need to start doing in 2020. When I listened to the music, I was like, wow, this is so obvious. How shame is, listen, it's shameful. You need to, you guys need to go out there and listen to both records. Megan Wright featuring Will I Am and ASAP Ferg and DJ Lax Iceberg of 2016. You will be shocked at what you heard. There was nothing, there was no remaking. It was simply the same beat. And my man tried to pass it off as his. Um, at press time, all we know is that Will I Am has issued an apology. We do not know if the credits have been altered and if DJ Lags will be receiving what he is due. And we aim to follow this story closely because of the ramifications to African creatives around the world. Even though we are home peacefully in South Africa, it doesn't mean that we don't know what's going on around the world. And I want to give a special shout-out to the South African music fans who stood up on behalf of DJ Lags and made it known that there was something shifty going on here and eventually led to Will I Am, you know, coming out with an apology. Unfortunately for DJ um, Megan Wright, I don't blame her because she would have put her trust in Will I Am. It's not her fault. She didn't know about the record. The person that sampled the beat or copied the beat is the one that really deserves all the attack and not DJ Megan Wright, who probably found out about this plagiarism on the day the song was released. And again, shout outs to my South African music lovers who had an eye that was just perfect to pick this injustice out. Now, over to Ghana, where a shocking video went viral showing fast rising star Kwamina MP in shock as he survived the fatal car crash when the car he was traveling in was in an unrecognizable state. Sadly, the singer is being reported to have lost his father, who initially was in critical condition and rushed to a nearby hospital. As they both were in a car traveling from Akosombo to Accra, I believe on Thursday, the 26th of November evening, news started circulating that Kwamina's dad sadly passed away in the early hours of Friday morning, stemming from the injuries sustained in the terrible car crash. Our condolences go out to Kwamina MP and his family and friends. Um, unfortunately, news like this aren't coming out for the first time. In Ghana, uh, a few years ago, fast rising dancer, female dancer, superstar, um, her name will come back to me now, uh, sadly lost her life as she was traveling home from visiting her mother for the first time in a long time. Um, she was involved in a car crash and, you know, we all woke up that morning to shocking news that she was gone. 
and to wake up again, you know, to news like this that Kwamina MP, who I am a massive fan of and support on Afro It's on a Beat on 103.6 FM, which you can listen to every Wednesday between 7 p.m. and 9 p.m. UK time. Shameless plug. But anyway, um, Kwamina MP, we woke up to the news that he was involved in a car crash. Uh, so the people that stopped to help him saw him, you know, pretty much on, on the road, by the roadside, in a state of shock. And physically, if you look at him physically, he didn't look like he had any scratches. But if you look at the state that the car was in, the car was completely disheveled. It was rumbled and, and, and all torn up in the woods there. We don't know specifically what happened that the, that caused the car crash. But at the time when Kamina MP was in a state when people were filming him, apparently his father had been rushed to the hospital at the time. And um, again, these are one of the things that happen on African roads. I'm not sure what the road uh, from Akosombo to Accra looks like, but a lot of the African roads, you know, have been dangerous for decades. You know, if you look at countries like Nigeria, places like Obumoshan or Yor or Lagos Ibadan, you know, these have become death traps in some areas where, you know, families have lost their lives just trying to go and earn a living or, 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 or going to visit family. And, and sadly, they've lost their lives to terrible roads that we continue to ask the government to do what they can to ensure that these roads are good. I, I Again, once again, I don't know what the road is like from Akosombo to, to Accra, but, you know, to, to, to see this video, when I saw this, I mean, I'm very squeamish, but, you know, because when I saw Kwamina MP as the headline saying involved in fatal car crash, I couldn't help but click the link. But thank God that the video... Um, didn't show any gory details apart from the car being in a terrible state. Uh, and again, we just need to, we just need to, we're going to say, obviously people should be safe out there. It's coming close to Christmas. So traveling, you need to be very careful when you're driving. However, we need to also use this means to pass messages to the government, the leaders, to ensure that the citizenry are safe on the roads. The roads are fit to travel on uh, and drive on because people are losing lives when all they're simply doing is just going out to either see family or friends or to make a living. And a lot of them, sadly in this case, aren't returning home safely. Um, well, from Ghana, we head across borders as this week, a uh, popular award-winning, mobile award-winning Nigerian musician, Nice, went viral uh, for a video which, which seems to show the star in a compromising position with a young lady who isn't his wife. Now, in the video, Nice can be seen cuddling the lady and referring to her as his wife. But shortly after that video went viral, he posted a video on his Instagram page of him apologizing uh, to his wife, for his actions, embarrassing his family, and begging for his fans and followers to help him get his wife back. I think this story is self-explanatory. Um, we also, uh, in my case, I didn't see the initial video of singer Nice with the, the alleged lady, but I saw the apology video 
where you know it was a couple of minutes long. You could hear a little bit of piano in the background, and him looking sorry for his actions and apologizing, and asking the public to to beg um, his wife to return home. That he he had you know been failing in marriages in the past, and he wanted this one to work, as he believed that this wife of his. We, I believe they just got married earlier 2020, January 2020. He believes she's his backbone and she didn't deserve whatever happened on social media. Like I said, I think this, this news is self-explanatory. Unfortunately, it was sad to see um, the images that went viral of who, in my opinion, is a creative genius, uh, a fantastic singer who, whose art has promoted the culture uh, on levels that we've not seen in the past before him. He was one of the first people to receive a mobile award. He performed, you know, for Nelson Mandela. You know, he performed. So he's he's really done it at the, you know, at the highest levels imaginable. Um, unfortunately, these are the lowest levels of his personal life. Not his his creative art, but his personal life. Um, the, the, a lot of people have something to say about it, uh, where uh, actors and social media personalities or musicians even had things to say about the fact that his apology uh, even embarrassed the lady more. But who knows? Maybe she asked for a public apology, as in his words, he had embarrassed her publicly. Um, again, it's one of those news out there that you just don't want to wake up to. You just don't want to open your social media with people sending you so many DMs asking for your thoughts on it. As human beings, we're all flawed. Unfortunately, his flaws, uh, sadly, were in public view and he had to apologize for it. Hopefully, he'll be able to work his marriage out and, and work out whatever personal issues he has out there. And as he demanded... Um, in his video, we will be using this pod, uh, this podcast at this time to send an official apology out to his wife and hopefully uh, that they can rectify whatever problems that they have. Now, staying in Nigeria, uh, where singer Mayokun, David O's Mayokun of DMW, put an overzealous fan in their place as the fan, uh, as the fan on Twitter wrote a message to Mayako. Now, I love this. Now, this is what sometimes puts an end to an issue before it even starts. So the fan sent a message to Mayoko saying, and I quote, that Mayoko was greater than Afrobeat's icon Olamide, end quote. But Mayoko was quick to respond to that fan, discouraging such tweets at him by saying, and I quote, don't ever do this again, end quote. And I, I like the fact that I read it in a voice that I believe Mayokun typed it in. Don't you ever do this again, Biko. Because a message like that, even though had nothing to do with Mayokun, was just a fan that decided to write that, could be taken as a sign of disrespect by Olamide and his fans, and his camp, if Mayokun had stayed quiet on it. Now, we've seen beefs within the industry, such like David O, 
Burner Boy, Whiskey, and the likes goes on, like Yemi Aladi and Tiwa Savage, which I believe is partly because of the individual fan bases and what they've gone on social media to say at the opposition or who they claim to be an opposition, including the media, members of the press, like myself, have put ourselves in a position where in the past might have pit these artists and these entertainers against each other rather than celebrate them individually. And that has led to some sort of bad blood, you know, from the artists between each other. When you see that, you know, it's okay, I've said it in the past, that it's okay for you to believe that your artist is fantastic, is a great musician, is a great actor, great socialite, whatever you want to call it. But what is not okay is when you say your artist is a great musician and is even better than this person. And then you start to send the messages to the artist that you believe that your artist is better than. I'll use an example. I'll use myself as an example. I might not be everybody's favorite, you know, bread and butter. However, I believe I'm great at what I do, which I, I'm supposed to be. And some people might think, might argue or beg to differ. It's okay to have a difference of opinion. But do not come on my page and tell me who you believe is greater than myself. Unfortunately, I'm not really into comments, so I might miss that one. However, I'm just saying that that's one of the things that gets people's backs up, especially when they believe that the people that are being celebrated whilst they are being put down notices this celebration and the put down and says nothing about it. That starts to leave a little bit of doubt, a little bit of negativity, a little bit of bad blood in the system that eventually can bubble over. And, and that's what Mayokun tried to put to end right now. He put it to bed straight away. He killed that story before it became a story. And that's what we love to see. Even though Olamide might not have seen it or taken it seriously because it was coming from a fan, but Mayokun wasn't ready to allow his fans to be that disrespectful and to drag his name into that. So shout out to my brother Mayokun, who is featured on a brand new record with David O. It's fantastic. Anyway, you need to check that one out. Now, from Nigeria, we head to Kenya, where comedian Eric Omonde hit out at Kenya Film Classification Board KFCB CEO Ezekiel Mutua for what he feels is the CEO using him for cheap publicity. Now, the story goes that uh, Ezekiel Mutua, who is the CEO of KFCB, claims some of the Eric Monday's contents violates industry regulations and not fit for, screen, for the screens during what looked like a small press conference. Now, so the popular comedian instantly but I've got to say that a popular comedian that I am a massive fan of um, hit back on social media, sharing the above video and warning the CEO of the film board to stop using his name for cheap publicity, accusing him of crimes and violations nobody has ever told him of. So Eric Omonde slammed the CEO, saying, you're out there giving press interviews, not for the first time, claiming that I've done something wrong, but nobody within your board or yourself has told me what I've done wrong. So stop doing that. 
Now we went further to admonish the CEO, asking what he has done, what the CEO has done for the industry, and how he has helped the growth of the industry, which he supposedly leads. Now Eric Omonde went further, saying instead of flying from Mombasa to Nairobi to attack him in the press, why not use those funds for the tickets to help up-and-coming filmmakers develop this struggling movie industry in Kenya? Um, this type of conversation is one that continuously reoccurs. I remember back in Nigeria at the time when Tillerman released a video. I, I don't remember what video it was now. And the music video was banned on the television stations in Nigeria. It was banned on radio. And, and Tillerman took to social media to say almost the same thing that Eric Omonde was saying here. That first of all, he doesn't know, he didn't know that there was an association that was reviewing music videos, whether they'll be fit for TV. Two, nobody let them know what they had done wrong in the music video. Maybe they can re-edit it and re-release it. And three, instead of publicly criticizing them and banning the music videos and stopping their livelihoods, why don't this board set up a panel that artists and creatives in Nigeria know that they, they should send their music video and their arts to for review before they put the music video out so they don't violate any rules and regulations. And that goes back to what Eric Omonde is saying in, um, in, in Kenya, that instead of the CEO criticizing him in the press, I'm flying all the way from Mombasa to Nairobi. I don't know how much, <laughs> I don't know how much the flight tickets are and what the distance is. Why don't you tell us what we've done wrong, how we can make it better, and possibly use the fees for the tickets to invest back into the movie industry in Kenya? Up-and-coming filmmakers would do well with those flight tickets. And listen, I don't think there's anything wrong in that. Um, I think um, Eric Omonde is an ambassador for Kenya, one of the funniest people in Africa that I've ever seen perform ever. If you follow him on social media, you will laugh your trousers off. And if you're wearing skirts, your skirts down. Trust me, he is incredibly funny. And he is one of the ambassadors promoting, you know, entertainment in Kenya. And someone like that, regardless of whether you believe they've done something wrong, I believe the best way to move on will be to get them at the table and introduce them to these standards that the organizations want them to operate on rather than go on platforms like TV and radio slamming their efforts. These are guys and girls that are working hard under ridiculous you know, conditions that not only are trying to make a living, but more importantly, to raise the flag of their beautiful Kenya to the world. And ambassadors like this should not be publicly criticized, but be pulled closer to find ways to work with them to uplift the Kenyan creative industry, and also to promote the image of Kenya the right way to the rest of the world. So CEO Mutua, please let's make it work rather than criticizing our brother. Now, staying in East Africa, Tanzania to be exact, as two, diamond, uh, two giants in Diamond Platinums and Kofi Olomide shared short clips of the behind the scenes of their music video to their brand new music song, uh, brand new song titled Wa. 
Earlier in the week, iconic musician Kofi Olomide was seen arriving in Tanzania to awaiting Diamond Platinums who received him at the airport. In other clips, both stars went to the recording studio to lay down vocals for the song, which has now officially got a video on the way as the behind-the-scenes footage showed both of them in some incredible attires and just doing some ridiculous dance moves. Now, Kofi Olomide is one of the most iconic musicians from Congo uh, who led the Congolese pop sound in the 80s and the 90s, particularly across Africa, where they dominated Nigerian sound between 1993 and possibly year 2000. Um, the likes of Kofi Olomide and Willow Logomba became superstars in Africa, uh, where one of the first Pan-African pop stars who were selling out arenas. Diamond Platinums is no stranger to stardom, as arguably the biggest star from East Africa. Uh, and collaborating with uh, Kofi Olomide is, again, another masterstroke by Diamond Platinums. He continues to pick his collaborations perfectly, working with the right people to expand his course. Last year, he was part of one of the biggest records on the continent and around the world. The record Yope Remix, which featured uh, my brother from Congo was Enos B, featuring Diamond Platinums. Now he's gone from Enos B, he's featuring the legend, the iconic musician in Kofi Olomide. And what Diamond Platinums continues to do is expand his fan base into areas that he possibly wouldn't be reaching if not for his strategic collaborations. He's collaborated with the likes of David O, Flavor Nabania, you know, all of these guys in, in, in Nigeria, and then crossing over to Ghana, collaborating with the likes of Stoneboy. He's collaborated with the likes of Omarion, Neo, you know, uh, AKA in South Africa, and now Kofi Olomide again in what I believe is going to be a classic record. He had one with Fali Pupa a couple of months ago. Um, listen, if these ideas are being uh, raised by Diamond Platinums, you have to give him a massive round of applause. And if it's his team, once again, a big shout-out to, to them for thinking about this Pan-African music dream, which brings together Africans from different countries due to a collaborative effort. And it also emphasizes on, you know, on, on, on the benefits of working together, leaving our seats and sitting in other seats and bringing other brothers and sisters to work together to expand our course and make us even bigger and brighter. We will be taking a massive leaf out of Diamond Platinum's book in collaborating with other podcasters really soon. You see what I did there? That's a very smart one, isn't it? Well, finally, Nigerian socialite and nightclub owner Pretty Mike caused a, stir, uh, a storm on social media by attending a popular actor's wedding accompanied by six pregnant ladies dressed in the same attire, implying that they were his girlfriends or wives. Pretty Mike is well known for incredible stunts like these as he has been seen in the past attending ceremonies with skimpy dressed ladies in dog leashes and in another video he can be seen getting married to about five brides at the same time. <laughs> now this recent stunt went viral catching attention all the way in the States and in the United Kingdom with Daily Mail picking it up 
and uh, BET host Wendy Williams dedicating a few minutes to the subject in our Hot topic segment of the TV show. Now, Pretty Mike is a socialite and a nightclub owner in Lagos State who has devised the best way for publicity, even though it might not be what you guys would like. You know, the, 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 the image of him having two ladies in dog leashes Dog Leash definitely went viral and it received a lot of backlash and criticism for that. Um, the video of him getting married to about five brides at the same time, all of them dressed in their white wedding gowns and with him being at the center of it, also hosting a reception for that fake wedding ceremony. And this one was particularly um, crazy because before he attended the wedding, he recorded his a video of him welcoming each one of the ladies as they walk through with their baby bump. He'll rub it in some, uh, he'll kiss some of them. And everybody was like, what's going on here? Not knowing that he was setting his sights on this popular actor's wedding. And when he turned up at the wedding, of course, the whole wedding stopped because he was dressed in a pink suit and all the ladies were dressed in a gray uh, dressing gown with their beautiful baby bumps. And they were all walking behind him so instantly the, the the chatter was that are these his wives personally i don't believe those are his wives girlfriends or, or or whatever those are basically maybe paid models who help him go viral he has devised the art of going viral whenever he does something like this and every single time he does one of these stunts he gets a whole lot of media attention but this time not only did he get a lot of media attention in africa he also caught attention in the united kingdom and in the united states of america in the united kingdom with the daily mail publishing this story and in the states with bet host wendy williams dedicating a segment of her hot topic stories uh as one of these and for me pretty mike has won. That was his intention, to catch the attention of everybody around the world. By promoting himself, he draws attention to his nightclub and other ventures that he's involved in. Even though his style might be considered unorthodox, the results seems to be working. The results prove that his style is working. Do something ridiculously crazy and you might just go viral and catch the attention of the world. On that note, that ends this week's uh, episode of Adi Shopper Live, the official Afrobeats podcast, episode 10, here from the Afri-Media Studios, supported, or sponsored by World Remit and supported by Afri-Media Studios, LM Media, uh, Ayo Maurice, Just Jojo Entertainment, and the incredible FVZ record label. Um, it's the same place, same time. Make sure you subscribe on all platforms where you get this podcast. YouTube, Spotify, Apple, and share with family and friends. Let's get into it. And if there's any other stories that you'd like to see us talk about, why don't you hit us up? And send us a, a direct message. You can follow me across all social media as well. It's adeshokwe.olajide. Until next time, it is peace and I'm out. Right.